Okay. Good morning. morning. (laughs) Glad you're here. I always rush my congregation to start on time at 10 o'clock, so that means we probably need to get here 15 minutes early. (laughs) It's hard to do, isn't it? Hard to do. So hope you're enjoying your winter and Christmas holidays, and we are. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to have Donna pass something out to to you, but don't look at it yet. Just leave it upside down. Uh, this morning, my daughter posted something on Facebook, and for you that are on Facebook, you probably saw it because I posted it again. But this is a real physical truth, uh, uh, a spiritual truth of a physical picture. So what I want you to do is, when I tell you to, when I say turn it over, turn it over, when I tell you to, you're going to see a bunch of paper plates, and they're upside down. They're all upside down. And then when you, uh, you'll find one that's not upside down. And when you see that it's not upside down and you recognize it, all the other ones will be right side up. So do it real quick. Do it now? Yep, do it now. Make sure that they're all upside down. So look for the one that's not upside down. Laying down. And, and when you see the one that's not upside down, the rest of them will be right side up. How does that work? Isn't that cool? Can you see it, Norma? Yeah. No. People that can't see it, they're not in tune with their spiritual eyes yet. <laughs> Well, look for the one that's not upside down and just look at it and kind of look at the other ones. And as you do, you'll see all of them are right side up, every one of them, because they are. And this is a this is a real truth that when somebody tells you something and you believe them, you see it. And that proves my point that I've said before. We used to say seeing is believing. But the truth is, is believing is seeing what you believe and you see it. And when I first looked at that, I thought I saw them all upside down. And then I found the one that was right side up. And the fact is, all of them were right side up. So that's a picture that when we learn to see people aright, you know, no matter what they're presenting themselves, you're going to see them as right. You're going to see them as righteous and you're going to see them as holy. So my daughter, Allison Parker, put that on today and shared it from somebody else. But I think it's a real cool truth. Did, did you see them upside down, Carl? Have you, and you saw them right side up after that? It's an optical illusion, but we need to see, that's what we're doing in our teaching, is uh, we're teaching ourselves, and I'm teaching myself as I go, because I study these things before I teach them to you, but I, uh, we're teaching ourselves to see aright, to, to see with our spiritual eyes and see with our spirit, uh, hear with our spiritual ears, and it's important for us to do that. So it was very interesting, that the title of my message today, and I'm still talking about the glorious body, because we are glorious, we are supernatural. But I put on there, seeing complete fulfillment. But you won't see complete fulfillment until you believe that you were born complete, lacking nothing, right? So you can't see it. And there are a lot of people today that say, well, I don't see it because I see people doing bad things. I see you as not righteous. I see what you do. I've heard what you do. I've heard what kind of person you are. Just like in the world today, Whatever you did when you were in kindergarten, you're going to be held responsible if you try to take on any public offices today. I mean, people, that's all they want to focus on. And they're not seeing a right because they don't believe people are right. And I want to get to the point, and I am, I believe, when I see people, I I see them out of what I believe about them. And I'm practicing that more and more and more. And I'm doing my best to put a guard over my tongue, what I say about people, a guard over my eye, what I see, a guard over my ear, what I hear. I don't want to hear bad things about people. And I've told the congregation for years, when you bring somebody to our fellowship, don't tell me anything about them that's not righteous and not holy. Because if you do, how can I minister to them? 
How, how you know if I still have carnal mindsets or whatever, then I'm gonna say, well, you deserve that or you brought that on yourself or whatever. So, uh, one thing I want to point out today that if ministry is not a vocation, uh, you know, when I when I took on uh, when I realized the calling that was in my life, <clears throat> I never thought it would be a vocation. Although I wanted to do it all the time, I never thought it would be my full-time job, although I would love to be in a fellowship where there's people that want to hear these things, that I'm there studying and writing and all that. But the truth is, it is full-time. It's my whole life. But it's not a vocation, and so I would say this is not my job. Literally what it is, I heard this last night, it is a release of Holy Spirit through me to others. Ministry is a release of your Holy Spirit through you to others. People are always saying, what is my ministry? What is my ministry? They'll come to pastors and, you know, can you help me? I want to find out what my ministry. Well, your ministry is, is to release life. The Bible says that we are what? Life-giving spirits, right? And if you're not releasing what you have, it's damned up inside of you. Donna, you, do you want to, is there cold air coming through that door? Okay, it's probably my imagination. I don't want y'all to get cold. So this is true to everyone. Everyone I got a coat over here. I mean, a blanket right there if you need it. But everyone on planet Earth was created to be a blessing to everyone else in your world. Everywhere we go in our world, we are to look for opportunities to bless people. And what we want to do is true ministry flows out of a complete consciousness of the truthful gospel that Jesus revealed. Uh, in this release, we see people, we see situations with our Holy Spirit eye, we hear with our Holy Spirit ear, and that's when we really see the way God sees and we hear the way God sees. We really function out of the mind of God because we should not be seeing anything opposite of how God sees it. And we should not be thinking anything of others opposite of how God thinks about them, right? Yes. If we do, then it's not God. That's right. It's coming from the lie that's been placed in our brain that we believe to be true. So. What God says he, says, he says he sees the end from the beginning. And he says, I change not. So in the beginning, he created man in his image. He said, you're my image. He said, go forth and rule and reign and dominion over this earth. And the reason I say it that way is because we don't, people think we've got to take dominion. We already have dominion, right? There are people in our country and other countries fighting for rights that they already have. And a lot of them are trying to write, uh, make new laws when in fact the law is already there, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That we can just live out of that law. So what law do we live out of? If somebody asks you, what law do you live out? What is it? That's right. The law of spirit of life in Christ or in your Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Not just what's in Jesus, but the same that was in Jesus is in us too. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know some people get upset with me too much, but we try to deify Jesus apart from who we are. Because we are deity also. We're the very image of God also. So we, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, because, but Jesus, Jesus' ministry was for a purpose a little bit different than ours, but also we can do everything that he did. He said we could, and we, are, we should. So if we do not possess a thorough understanding of what Jesus came to reveal to man, we do not have God's message, period. And oh boy, people are going to not like that. Because a lot of people worship all kinds of other teachers. I, I said, if we do not possess a thorough understanding of what Jesus came to reveal to man, we do not have God's message. 
because Jesus was the only one in his time that revealed the love of God. No one knew or understood the true love of God. No one knew or understood that God spoke to the, to the uh, prophets in the Old Testament that I never desired sacrifice. I never instructed sacrifice because they hid it from people. Because religion wants you to sacrifice. Because if I can get you to sacrifice to please God, you'll never be able to give enough because sacrifice does not please God. God said it as an offense to me, not you are an offense, but your sacrifice. It's an offense to me because I love you and you should know I love you and you should know you never had to do anything to prove that you love me. Now, if, uh, but if you want to prove that you love Roy, go right ahead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding you. So, so what is it? I believe we live in a great day of deliverance for all people. I believe in the last 10, 15 Really, like Brother Garner, I believe since about 1988, there's been such a great awakening and the light is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And to those who want to see, can see. And those who don't want to see, they won't see. Right. You can't make people see if they don't want to. It's like uh, if we invited somebody to do something, to go somewhere with us and they don't want to go, no matter what we do, they don't want to go. They're going to make every excuse in the world that they don't want to go to that country or they want to, you know, go to wherever it is we want to go. Because uh, there's, I think there's a song or whatever that they sing in Sister Valerie's church, you've got to have the want to. You remember that? You've you, you got to have the want to. And so we need to, to know that. We, I believe we live in this day, this deliverance, and this deliverance is not from so much sickness and disease and mental illnesses and habits. The deliverance is from the lie. The lie was our enemy. Adam believed a lie. He believed he was naked. Uh, everybody under the mosaic, mosaic law believed a lie. They believed they needed to bring sacrifices and all this and all, all that stuff that they wrote and said God said this and God said that. It was a lie because God could not say that. If God says, I love you eternally and I'll never not love you. If God says you're in my image and you're righteous and holy and somebody comes along and says, you've got to do something to become, you can, you can safely say that's a lie. Yes. It's not true. And so we want to help people with that. Uh, Father does not want suffering in any way. You know, I've got some things going on in my body. God doesn't want that. It's not God's will. I've had people that, you know, lovingly caring and saying, well, God will show you something through that or God won't put anything on you that you can't handle and all that. But those are those are things that we've that's religious talk. Yes, it is. God doesn't want this in me. And uh, I'm learning. I'm learning more and more of just to just keep putting my faith in our father. You listen to what the doctors are saying and believe that it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave my body. It's going to be taken care of. And by the way, those of you on Facebook that have been speaking over my body and speaking properly over my body, I, I appreciate you very much. And I, I, I have felt that because we're all one. So what Father wants is he doesn't want anyone ministering anything but life. Anything that brings death. Uh, he doesn't want ministering anything but life, righteousness, and holiness. Uh, I looked up Psalm 3011 this morning or yesterday, and I like this. It says, he has put off our sackcloth and girded us with gladness. What, what was sack, sackcloth and ashes used for? Mourning. Mourning, right. Uh, a death, you know, and, and, and they threw ashes on there and they wore sackcloth for a period of time. And they were mourning the death of a loved one or something or mourning something probably maybe that they had done that they shouldn't have done, whatever. So what it says here to me is God put off that death mentality 
in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He was constantly trying to do it all through time before Jesus came. He spoke to man. He said the angel of the Lord came, which was a Christophany of Jesus. He spoke to the prophets, but they wouldn't listen. You know, they listened with their intellect and not with their spirit. So just like us, Jesus appeared in the physical realm, and he did that for a certain purpose. He was the Messiah. He was the only one that was the Messiah. He was the awaited one. But when he came, they had such expectations of him that he couldn't minister to a lot of people because they wanted this man's man, you know. They didn't want somebody walking, uh, riding on a donkey. They wanted him coming on a big old white horse, if you would, because that's what we were taught is going to happen in our future. They wanted him to be tough and to beat the Roman Empire and, and uh, to, to usher in his kingdom and be a king. And the disciples could sit on each side of him and they could rule the people. And we would all have to come. That's what they wanted. And still today, that's what people want. They want Jesus to come and save them from this wicked world that they've created themselves. And they want him to be their miracle worker and their healer. And most church services that I grew up in, it was always asking Jesus to do something. Correct? And so the same thing has happened here. And that's what they want. And they sought a Messiah to save them from what they believed to be their problems. And he was different. He was different. And guess what? Today, the Christ in us, the Spirit in us is coming, and people are still rejecting it because that's not what they want. They don't want you. They want Jesus. A lot of people. And that's sad. They want Jesus. And so what they're doing is they're missing out on the Christ in you. They're missing out on the Holy Spirit in you. There are words of wisdom and words of knowledge and words of understanding that we can impart to people. And if they will listen, they can be saved much calamity in their life. Yes. I believe that. You know, but, you know, sometimes you just have to let people make their own decisions. So uh, he came to free us from the Mosaic law. We know that the, the, the law of doing to be. And he came to free us from religious stuff, you know, religious bondages. And he did. He freed us from everything. So contrary to what many teach and believe, Jesus did not come. And this will be hard for some people. But Jesus did not come to get in man. To get in man. We were taught that when we got saved, Jesus came into us, right? That's what we believe. Jesus came into us. And then those that grew up in a charismatic realm were taught when we, when we uh, people laid hands on us that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came into us and the proof was that we were talking in tongues. And we've all been there. But Jesus didn't come to get in us. God was already in us. Yes, that same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from that death estate, if it will dwell in you, it does, it does live in us. It, Holy Spirit lives in us, but we have to allow it to dwell in us. Not just when we need Holy Spirit for something. Mm -hmm. And sadly, that's a really bad relationship. Yeah. You know, if only time I had anything to do with you guys is when I needed you, mm -hmm. that wouldn't be a good fellowship. It wouldn't be, you know, you would, you would probably do it because you love me and I love you. But it's not intimacy. Correct? Yeah. And so most people, they'll go to church on Sunday because they know something. They need something. They'll go to Wednesday because they need something. But the rest of the week, it's kind of like they're on their own. And then they're always needing more. So he came to reveal the eternal oneness of Father God and man. And no one was left out. No one. Everybody. Every, every, every man, woman, boy, and girl that goes by any name, any title, 
He was revealing the love of God and God's life inside of them. It matters not what you call yourself. And I really believe this. We've, we've got to quit fighting people. We've got to quit speaking what's wrong in the earth. And that's why the Lord prompted me uh, in this series to just skip the part where I was going to talk about what hindered us. Because we know what it is. You know, we know what hinders the earth. So why do we talk about the political system? Because we've been ingrained to do that. It's been such a part of our life. It kind of controls us. And it comes time that we need to stop talking about it. Now, am I saying don't vote? No. Am I saying don't pay attention? No. But I'm saying quit giving it a power and begin to talk about what's right in the earth. Because there's a lot right in the earth. There's, there's beauty all over this planet. Uh, when we went to the Mayo Clinic a uh, week before last and we were in the desert and I was talking to Don about how some people could come here and could not see the beauty in it. <laughs> Carl, Carl, when we go on vacation together, we travel around the country, the most beautiful sight he sees is pasture with cows on it, right? Beautiful green pasture and barns. Old barns and things like that. You know, when I travel with him, I think they're pretty. But what I think is beautiful is a big lake full of fish. <laughs> that gets my attention, you know. But, but if you went to the desert, a lot of people say, Carl, I don't think would think it's pretty. But I, I'm, I can't speak for you. But cactuses and sand and gravel. <laughs> but it's beautiful. And we just loved it. We thought it was awesome. It if It was different. But everything's beautiful, what? In its own way. Correct? Oh, yes. But we, we like it. So uh, the Apostle John grasped hold, hold of a great part of what Jesus taught. And I like what he said. He said, let this same mind or let this same understanding. That's what he was saying. Let the same understanding be in you that was in Jesus. He considered it not robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself and he became a servant to all people, to all people. And that key thing there is a servant. How much are we servants? You know, and I'm not talking to you guys because I know you are, but I'm talking about the church world, the, all the religious systems of the earth. How much servanthood is taught to go out and serve people? And I have to tell you, I don't believe a lot of it is taught because I see the differences that are made. I see the differences on Facebook. There are, I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit, but there are so many private groups out there that you're allowed into those groups if you believe what they believe, right? And people will invite you to join their groups thinking that you believe what they believe when you don't believe what they believe. And if you get in that group and then you start writing what you understand, you can get banned really quick. Well, is that, is that oneness? Is that union? Is that fellowship whatsoever? It's not. But we, we must allow our Holy Spirit to flow through us, not to come into us, but to flow through us and for us to really realize who we are and who everybody else was or is. Uh, Don and I went to see uh, my, daughter, my, my granddaughter Camille in her play yesterday, and I was so excited because her mama wasn't there, her brother wasn't there, all the people she loves to just get, get, get with, and she was sitting with me and Donna and Melanie and Tammy, and we went to eat ice cream. And it was so fun. She was just talking her little head off. If you know her, she just talks, talk, 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 talk constantly. But we got to really talk to her, and it was fun talking to her. Something came up about people, accepting people, and I began to teach her that we were supernatural, and it really got her attention. And I explained to her what the word Damien means. Damien uh, it was one of the words that they translated devil, and it actually is super, a supernatural spirit with a bad nature. 
that was man. Man took on a false nature, but they're still supernatural. So I was explaining to her that we are supernatural. And she, she agreed. And I have to tell you, uh, in my life, am I going around in my world? I tell people that all the time. I love telling people that we're supernatural and usually a lot of young people. And you know what? They know it. They believe it. They have come out from among the religious system. They're tired of it. And they believe that we're more than who we think we are. So Jesus was supernatural as we are supernatural. The problem is very few people are aware of that fact. Very few. There are many people all over this planet that I believe now has ceased the bondages of religiosity. I see them all over Facebook. I meet them all over the place. People say, I don't go to church anymore. And I, I hate that. I, I, do, I, I still believe we need to assemble together. I still have a deep desire in me to have a, a larger fellowship, but be different. Not have all the programs, <clears throat> programs and stuff. You can bring your children and we can sit there and we can learn together. It doesn't have to go on all day long. And I believe you can be their Sunday school teacher and you can be their youth director and you can, you can do all those things. You can invite people over to your house and kids and, and have fun with them and not try to get that system going again, but actually teaching people. And so we, we want that because we want to help people get out of the bondage of religion. What does religion produce? It produces anxiety. It produces uh, uh, frustration. And it produces fear. It did for me. I mean, I can't speak for you, but that's what it did because you never felt perfectly right. Would you agree? There was just always something there that, well, I'm just not meeting up with this rule or I've got this problem. I have this lustful problem for ice cream all the time and I can't quit it. I've tried and I tried and I just can't, <laughs> you know. So that's all I talk about. I hope everybody understands what I'm saying out there. I don't want to name sins that the church calls sins. But once we get free of these bondages, we've learned that we have the very same life that Jesus had. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I literally know that I can say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. If you've seen me, and that's the whole truth. If you see me for who I really am. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love the avatar. I think it's the avatar. They would say, I see you. And I would rather, I would rather hear, I see you, more than I would hear, I love you. Mm -hmm. Because when you see me for who I really am, how could you not love me? Amen. Right? <laughs> when I see somebody that's out in the streets and in the physical eye, they look like somebody I'd be afraid of. But I can say, you know what? I see that person for, now that doesn't mean I'm going to go to places that people don't know who they are and let them kill me, oh. <laughs> let them rob me and say, well, I know who you really are. So I'm going to run around with you. Or I'm going to invite you into my home. I'm not going to do that, you know, but I do see who they are. It's just like today. There's a lot of people want to come to America illegally I don't want them here because they're Mexicans or because they're South Americans. I don't want them here because of that stuff. I just, I think they need to come le legally, but I love them. I care for them. I can look at them and say, you're righteous, you're holy, you're a wonderful family. But there are laws in a country and we are to abide by the laws of the land. And there are laws to protect us because I don't want all of them coming, even though I see them as God's children. Some of them don't know that. And some of them are criminals. And it can be a real drain on our society. But I still love them. So don't, please don't tell me on Facebook if you don't want those people to come that you're a horrible person. 
No, I see them for, I don't judge the person. I just judge the way they're trying to come. So we are so much supernatural. We are so supernatural. We have no idea what we really are. And I, I, I believe this with all my heart. And I've heard Kay say it not too long ago. We believe there's coming a day very quickly when we will do things that we can't even imagine. Where we can translate. Where we can communicate with one another telepathically. I've done that before. I've not been aware of it. But I, I've, I've, Donna can tell you many, many times the phone would ring in our house. And I would say, that's Norma. That's Carl. That's Ann. I would hear it. And that's Steve Bellflower. I still do when I'm driving in my car. Many times Steve Bellflower calls me and I know it's him. Uh, Terry Anderson sometimes calls and I just hear Terry Anderson. How can I know that? Because we're connected in spirit. And if there's only one mind and one spirit, we can know what one another thinks. And can you imagine when we all think the same way? Right? Can you imagine when everybody that calls himself pastor or teacher or apostle or prophet or evangelist and we all listen to that one spirit that was in Jesus, that one understanding? See, that's what John would say. Let this same understanding that was in Jesus be in you. When we do that, then the reality of Father, I pray that they become one as you and I are one. He, he was talking about one in awareness, one in purpose. One in desire. And when we do that and when the religious leaders will let go of their commentaries and their belief systems and tune into the very mind of God, what kind of change can that take place in this earth? It, it would be powerful. Yes. So we are so much supernatural that when our life touches another, they should be forever changed right then. Have you ever met anybody that when your life connected, you were forever changed? Yes. Norma, I know when you saw me that happened to you, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it did. I know it did. <laughs> it happened to me when I saw my wife. <laughs> it was, I was, literally, I was forever changed when I met my wife. The, the, the love for her just gripped me. So impartation of our spirit is real. Impartation. That, that's really, when we lay hands on somebody, we're not saying, Father, would you do this? Father, literally laying hands on somebody is a physical picture of an impartation. And what's inside of me connects with what's yeah. inside of you. And it's not like, and I'm not a scientist. I don't understand a lot of stuff. But I know in a magnet, the positive and the negative attract. But both likes push away. Well, I don't think that's, I believe that's not true spiritually. Because we both, we all have spirit. And I believe spirit attracts spirit. And I believe that's why when I, when I tread about in this earth, I see people that I know that I know them, but there's no way in the world physically that I know them. But I know them. And we, you, I know you guys go through it a lot because we're one. Somehow, you know, I think what that is, is we're both more attuned to spirit. They are and we are and we attract one another. And I think it's awesome. But few people are aware of that fact. Jesus was supernatural. We're supernatural. And everybody else is too. Um, so the reason we see someone uh, we do not know is because of that. And that's because spirit desires fellowship. Jesus desired fellowship, did he not? Everywhere he wanted, he wanted the fellowship. Didn't he cry and weep and said, Jerusalem, how often would I gather you under my wings? His whole desire was, to, was fellowship because it, God in him loved all those people. I have some friends 
Uh, Valerie Robinson's always telling me she just doesn't understand why I just keep going after people. I have some friends, a lot of friends, that reject me for what I teach. But you know what? I still desire them. Donna even will say, I don't know why you do that. It's because they're my brothers. They're my sisters. I still want to be with them. I would love to be able to go to their conferences and their meetings, you know. But right now, I don't feel that welcome. <laughs> but I still, I still have this desire. Their names come to my mind constantly. And I just say, Father, bless them. Bless them. So life is, life is substance. And that substance inside of you, it's livable, it's touchable, and it makes you a dynamo of power. Life is substance, it's livable, it's touchable, and it makes you a dynamo of power. You are a very tangible part of God. You are the holy city of God that the Bible talks about. We are also Father's revelation. We're Father's revelation. It's just like when Don and I had our babies, every time we had our babies and we would bring them to church, Donna would just dress them to the hilt and they would be dressed in beautiful blankets. Why? Because we were going to show forth their glory. We wanted to present our babies to our church and to our family and to our friends. You know, I, I laugh in my company. Uh, we've, Don and I have been privileged to go to a lot of vacations, a lot of meetings and uh, most of the corporate people are there that I know very well. And many of them, I have introduced my wife probably six or seven times, haven't I? I'll just say, have you met my wife, Donna? <laughs> yes, I met him the last five trips we were on, <laughs> you know. But I love my wife and I want to introduce her to them. Yeah, I'm proud of my wife. I want to show forth her glory to them. And so literally, we are God's revelation. And what, what, what do I mean by that? We are the revelation of everything God did in the very beginning, and we are the revelation of what Jesus came to reveal. We, it, we have been uncovered, if you would, to show forth our glory to this earth, and that's what Jesus came to do. He came to uncover man. Man was covered in sackcloth and ashes. Man lived a life feeling like they were dead. They're dead to God and no knowledge of God. And he came to uncover us. And the world needs an uncovering, and that's what our job is. Donna, you know, I know she probably gets tired of it sometimes. I, I, I don't think she does as much now, but she knows that everywhere I, we go, I'm going to exhort somebody. I, sometimes it's just telling them how beautiful they are or whatever, but a lot of times it's letting them know that they're righteous and holy. I mean, the door opens, and I'm going to do it. And I love to tell them, did you realize that when you came out of your mama's womb, you were righteous and holy already? Yeah. Now, some of them look shocked, you know, and I explain it to them. But many, many, like I said, younger people, they'll say, yes, I do. They know it already. How did you learn it? I just know. I know it from the, within inside of me. What that is, the Spirit of God is speaking to them yes. and teaching them truth to protect them. So one of my concerns is that so many people are separating themselves from others, and they do not believe because they don't believe what other people believe. And that's what I was talking about on Facebook uh, there are all kinds of names for them. There's, you know, I'm not going to name them all because then somebody will think I'm talking about it. But they have these names to kind of fit what they believe. And that in and of itself is separate. Now, I understand some of it because if I believe something and I want a group page, I don't want people on there bashing us and arguing with us. That's why they do it. But it really shouldn't be happening because we should all have the same understanding that Jesus had right? 
We should all have that. But the problem is that we all went to different religions and we got the understanding that their seminary had. Correct? Remember a couple of years ago, I was going down to Houston and this, this seminary was going to give me a, a accredited doctorate's degree. And I, I taught and they were telling me not to say this and not to say that. And I wasn't able, I wasn't supposed to teach what I teach. I was supposed to go teach just a very generic message. Do you think I could do that? There's no way I can open my mouth and the river of life not come out. But you know what? I didn't do it. They did it. Their students were asking questions. Just started asking all those questions people ask. What do you think about heaven? What do you think about hell? What do you think about the devil? What do you think about rapture? What do you think about the end of time? It just started coming out. So I ended up getting rejected. I ended up not getting the degree, which I don't care. I wouldn't want it anyways. And I'm not mad at them. But I'm just saying these belief systems cause separation. And those people probably blotted out my name in their invitation, you know. And so when we separate ourselves from others, we separate ourselves from the corporate body itself. Then we are weakened because the whole body becomes fragmented, correct? The whole body becomes scattered. The whole body is disjointed and the whole body becomes disorderly. And we fight and we argue and we debate. I can't tell you how many, when I was a young man, how many church board meetings I saw because I was there because my dad was one of the pastors that there was fighting and arguing and bickering. It's because they were not all one mind. The saddest one and the funniest one, <laughs> but it was sad, is Pastor Hibbard. We were in a barracks building. And it had no air conditioning in it at all. It was, we had lost our big church on Western. We started all over in a little barracks building. And it was hot for him up there preaching because he was up on a little stage. And so his head was right there by the ceiling. So he bought a fan, just a box fan. And he hung it where it would blow down on him. And all of a sudden, well, why didn't we get a fan? And why didn't we get a fan? And we could have put a fan on each aisle. And next thing you know, the biggest fight you ever seen took place. And that night, the whole church burned up. <laughs> it wasn't God, but uh, they had those fuses that you unscrew to turn things off. And somebody didn't unscrew it all the way out. And it arced and arced and arced and the church burned up. So now they had a great big hole in the ceiling. <laughs> so air could filter. I'll never forget that. I think I was like 13 years old at that time. But isn't that ridiculous? And that's just one of hundreds of thousands of stories that could be told. Separation is not what God wants. God wants oneness. The Holy Spirit in us. Our Holy Spirit is one life, not separate. You're not separate. I'm not separate. Everyone out there on Facebook, you're not separate. You're one. We're all one. The Lord our God is one. So as we live this life, we realize that this is the standard of life that God wants from us. What's the standard? Jesus. Yes. Jesus was used of God to show us how God created man. In his earth walk, he was the only man alive that was in full awareness of his oneness with God. That was the only difference in him and them, mm -hmm. besides the fact that his anointing, he was to be the Messiah. He entered the judgment of the world for all people because he loved us so much. He was willing to do it. The, 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 uh, the Jews wanted a sacrifice. They demanded a sacrifice. He became that sacrifice to stop all sacrifices. He was the end of the Mosaic law. He revealed the love of God and he resurrected from the grave. Nobody else ever did that. 
Anybody else that was, that was brought back to life in the Old Testament, they still died. Right? Not Jesus. And that was a picture of God's eternal love for man that he would not leave man in the state that they were in. Now, the people that died before Jesus, they awakened to the same place that the people that died after Jesus. They awakened to the very spirit realm of God. They never die. Yes, the body can cease to, to live, but who we are, spirit is forever. Love is forever. I put a post on Facebook and I was meditating about love. And I just put on there that I, in my studies, I've studied the word love a lot, a lot, and I found out that love is immortal. It can never, ever die. Amen. Never die. The love of God for man can never die. No matter what you do, it will never die. Amen. There are people that have done some pretty tough things against me and Donna, but I can never tell you I don't love them. Do I want to be around them? No, not the way they act, but I still love them. And I care for them and I wish well for them. And I can honestly say that today. So as we live the life of Father God intended for us, we live a perfect life. Others go their own way. Others live uh, as me, myself, and I, thinking that they're going to find a better way. A lot of people think they're going to, they want to go to the universe for other ways. They want to go to, you know, they want to go to particular teachers that teach this or that. And they think there's a better way, but there's only one way. So as we live, the life Father God intended for us, again, we live this perfect life, uh, and we live in perfect consciousness. Perfect consciousness is, uh, there is but one. That's perfect consciousness. There is but one, and uh, there is no me, myself, and I. And I pointed this out to you a few weeks ago when the Apostle Paul said, the life that I live, he said, he said, uh, the, he said it's no longer I, but the life that I live is Christ." He said, the, the life that I lived, the word I is ego. It means me, myself, and I. I no longer live as me, myself, and I. But the life I live now is I live Holy Spirit. I live as Holy Spirit. But it's not Holy Spirit by myself. Holy Spirit, I'm, we're all, the Holy Spirit is one. We're all one. So literally, the life you live, I live. The life I live, you live. We affect one another. You know that? And we can affect other, one another the opposite. If I, if I keep living a carnal life, then I affect the whole because we need the corporate body to wake up. You know, it does matter if my neighbors don't know who they are. And it does matter if my neck, it does matter if your children don't know who they are. Only a parent would know that because it affects you, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You can't say, well, you just go your own way and you're, you're not going to bother me. Oh, no, you're going to bother me. You hinder me. You hurt me. You know, a lot of young people, immature people say, well, it's my, whatever I do, it's my business. No, it's my business too. You know, my, my youngest daughter, and she's, she's a wonderful girl, and I love her very much, but she's done some different things that I wish she hadn't have done, and I'm sure my other kids have too, and they have this mindset, it doesn't affect you, but every time they hurt, I hurt. Every time they suffer, I suffer. You go out and make a mistake, I suffer. Look how many kids that go out and go crazy in cars and die. Yes. What does it do to the family? It devastates you because we're one. Amen. So what's going on in the world does hurt us. It hurts me to see all those people down there on the border. Mm -hmm. I, I hurt for them. I understand a lot of them are trying to get out of some bad places. You know, so it does hurt. And we're not these cold people that a lot of people want to make us. We're not cold.
Again, I just want them to come properly. And then they're welcome. They're welcome. So Isaiah chapter 11, I was reminded of this last night. I love Isaiah chapter 11. One of these days I'm going to teach it again. Uh, the Brother Garner tied it, the restoration of the remnant. It reveals a spiritual picture of the places that people have gone off into and uh, what they thought would be a better way apart from God or even thought it would be a better way to get to God. And so one of the first cities, there's, there's some cities in there. You don't need to turn there because I'm not going to read the chapter. But one of the cities that they went to was Assyria, A-S-S-Y-R-I-A. And the word Assyria means a step, a step which is in connection to prosperity. Uh, the, the message of prosperity has been carried way out of proportion in the church today and has for a long, long time. I was taught if I would give my tithe and give it on everything I make, I'd be able to get Mercedes and big houses and I would be rich and God would give it back to me 10 times, right? And there are denominations that they'll look at you and if you don't have a lot, they'll judge you as not having enough faith you know, you don't give enough money or whatever. And it was always about riches. When people look in the Bible and see prosperity, what's the first thing they think of? Riches, right? You know, if you look at, you look at Norma and a lot of people go and see her beautiful home and she's got a beautiful cars, you know, she's got a nice place. There are a lot of people in the world would look at her and say, wow, she is prosperous, right? But that's not prosperous with God. Prosperous with God is wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Prosperous with God is living out of your Holy Spirit. I'm rich beyond imagination because I'm Holy Spirit. I'm rich beyond imagination because I have a union with the mind of God and I know all things. And when I say I, I'm talking about you too. That's wealth with God. But there are people that have gone after prosperity because they've had denominations and ministry that promised wealth to them. And of course, you look at the pastor, he drives a Mercedes, he's got the mansion so he must be doing something right well yeah he is he gets a big part of the tithe <laughs> you know or he was wealthy before he came or whatever but it's not because that's what god's given him god has given us something different he's given us a power and might and a sound mind what is a sound mind it's your holy spirit you know if i have great knowledge and understanding i can go about this earth knowing how to make investments Knowing how to give, because giving releases what's inside of you. And I can have things, because God doesn't care if you have things. But Jesus didn't die so you could have a Mercedes. He didn't die so you could have the biggest house in the world. He died because man wanted him to die. He died because he loved us so much to stop the sacrificial system, not because we were dirty, rotten sinners. I was watching the president's, uh, President Bush's uh, funeral service, and I was so excited our company was doing it. They always do these funerals for presidents and congressmen and stuff. But one of the guys, the, the Oak Ridge Boys, I guess it was, sang Amazing Grace. And I just can't stand that second stanza that saved a wretch like me. I just want to get up and say, who told you that you're a wretch? Did God? No, religion did. Man told you that. And people need to start asking those questions when you rehearse over and over how you're a bad person. Who told you you were bad? Yeah. Now, according to men's standard, 
men whose breath is in their nostrils, you break the law, they consider you bad. But you're not bad. It's just something you did. It's not who you are. And that's what we've got to teach people. I would love to be able to go into prisons and minister to the prisoners. And I did this once in Lexington. And I told him, I said, guys, just because a judge pronounced you guilty and you did do it, it doesn't mean that's who you are. You're righteous and you're holy. Your mindset of God is you're going to go before God like you went before a judge and evidence is going to be brought before you and they're going to prove that you're guilty. There is no evidence that they can bring before God that says that you're unrighteous and you're unholy. None whatsoever. So again, Wealth with Father God is wisdom, knowledge. Solomon could have asked for anything. God came to Solomon in a dream, and God was there in his dream talking to him. And he said, Solomon, ask what you will, and I will give it to you. Can you imagine that? Lottie, I know what you'd ask for, because <laughs> you've asked me for it before. Norma, I'm not sure what you would ask for, but I'm telling you, Solomon asked for wisdom and knowledge. It was. And he knew he was going to lead a lot of people. And he needed wisdom and knowledge as to how to do that. And see, we become pastors. We become Sunday school teachers. We become, you know, we, we work at places trying to keep people from boarding their babies. Whatever it is. And the greatest thing we need is wisdom and knowledge. If you function out of wisdom and knowledge, there's no place you can't go in this world. If I have understanding of all kinds of stuff and I go to a corporation and I begin to share with them what I know and what I understand, they're going to hire me. They're going to say, I want this guy because he has wisdom and knowledge and he can help us be better at what we are. Well, when people see you and, and they hear what comes out of your mouth. And that's why sometimes I don't understand why people aren't pouring to this house. I don't, it, maybe it's not time yet, but they should say, I want to be around this person. Because he, she, they have an answer that can bring me out of despair. But maybe it's not the right way anymore because I know there are thousands of people on Facebook that have heard what we're teaching, heard what Kay's teaching, heard what Don Keith is teaching and other people's teaching, and it's bringing them out of despair. There's one lady, she's listening to me right now. I'm not going to say her name. She knows who it is. But when I first met her on Facebook, she was having some really tough times, and I could see it on her face. I could see it in her demeanor. And just not too long ago, I told her, I said, I looked at your picture and you're, uh, I'm just paraphrasing what I said, but you're a completely different person. Her picture, her, her looks, her demeanor just glows with life now. And her last name starts with an H, so she knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> but I just love her and I love her post. I love what she's doing now. But she, she received the wisdom and knowledge that I was able to give her and tell her, you are not who you think you are. You are not who people, what people have said about you. And you are not what you've done. Amen. And now the Lord's tapped her into three or four other ministers. And we're all just pouring into her. Amen. And guess what? She's pouring into us now. Amen. I read things she writes and I go, wow. And it just blesses my heart. So we want this purchase, uh, perfect consciousness that there is only one God. If we don't, then we're going to go after gold and silver and all that. But see, again, Solomon could have had all the silver and gold that he wanted. But guess what? He asked for wisdom and knowledge, and he got it anyways. It was already stored up for him from his father. Right? Yeah. Didn't, didn't David store everything up for that to build the temple? It was already there. And see, if we could just realize that, that everything that we think we have need of, it's already there. 
Everything's there. I don't need more water. I don't need air. I don't need food. Food's there. Everything that this body uh, requires to be sustained, it's there. Everything physically that we have need of, it's there. If you're the poorest person in the world, you can still have a house to live in, in America. You know what? I mean, there are people that are on very, very fixed incomes. They have housing for them and they charge them rent according to what they make. They make it affordable for there's no reason for people to live out on the streets whatsoever in this country, whatever. So in the kingdom of God, there's no reason for us to live like beggarly people, always begging God for something, always asking God to help us. All right. The next one uh, is uh, Egypt. Egypt always speaks of the cosmos system, or if you would, the carnal part of a world, of the world. Always living apart from God. How many people do you know who are caught up in the world system today? We depend on the, the politicians to help us. We depend on doctors. And I, I, I never say don't go. I'm going to doctors and I'm, I'm believing that there's a divine word coming. But, but you can depend on them so much and not make a withdrawal on the life within inside of you that the last thing they're going to do is pronounce you dead. You know? The last thing the bank's going to do is pronounce you bankrupt, you know. So we had the financial system, the political system, the religious system, the social system, and the political system. And many, many people are dependent on those, those systems to get them out of whatever their problem is. And people have gone to that. Next one is pathros, P-A-T-H-R-O-S. Pathros means dryness in the Hebrew. And how many people do you know that are just spiritually dry right now? They have Holy Spirit in them but they don't draw from Holy Spirit, so they're dry. They're always trying to go get water from somewhere else, always trying to get somebody to fire them up, that we have revivals to fire people up and get them all excited and raise money, you know, whatever. But there are a lot of people to, that are dry today to the point that they just don't care. They've been burned out so much in church. They left the church, and you come to them and say, you know what, I understand. You know, I've told people today, you know what, I'm an atheist too. I don't believe in that God that I was taught about. But do you mind if I tell you what I've learned? And a lot of people say, I'm not interested because they've just been, but they will. They'll know. The next one is Cush, C-U-S-H, and it means darkness. How many people do you know that are in darkness? What is darkness with God? It's not sin, you know, what we call sin. It's not doing horrible things. Darkness is just no understanding. I was there. I thought I had understanding. I had some light. And like Kay says, whatever truth you're in, that's your truth. You know, so I, I, I do my best to not disdain people for walking in their truth. And I just say, Father, give me an opportunity someday because I love them to be able to help them and shine more light on what they think to be true. So there are a lot of people that still have no light. But the problem is, is a lot of people, their light is darkness, but they, they teach it as though it is light. There's, there's, I, I see it all the time on Facebook and all, all around the place and hearing ministers and they're not teaching truth, but boy, they teach it like it's truth and they have a follower that follows them and it keeps them bound up. The next one is Elam, E-L-A-M. It means to hide or conceal. So what that is, is Holy Spirit's hidden in them because they don't know who they are. Colossians 1.27, I think it is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just replace that word Christ with the Holy Spirit. And my people are weak. Uh, Paul says all people are weak, sick, and die needlessly because they're not dissecting their body. You know, the Catholic Church put in there discerning the Lord's body. But I don't know hardly anybody in a church world that hasn't studied Jesus. 
right? So that's not what it's saying. It says dissect. Does that mean they're not di- they don't know that you're Holy Spirit? I mean, Norman, how many people in your world do you know that knows their Holy Spirit? Very little. Very little. And they need to know that. They don't know how powerful they are. They've been taught they're just humans. Or they've been, they're just sinners. Or they're just sinners saved by grace. And that's another way that I like to wake people up. Is I'll ask them, when you, come, when you were invited to church, what were you told? You need to get saved because you're a sinner. Well, then after you got saved, what did they call you? And they'll look at me kind of funny. They say, a sinner saved by grace. And I'll say, does that make any sense to you whatsoever? You know, if Donna, my wife Donna, was, we go to the Grand Canyon and she slips and she starts falling off of the cliff and I grab her and pull her up, what happened? She was saved, right? She didn't fall. She, she you know, I, I didn't save her, then she fell. But yet that's the way we teach people that, well, you got saved, but you're going to be a sinner all your life. You're still going to sin. That doesn't make sense. So there's something hidden inside people they don't understand. It's, it's like the ark behind the veil. You know, nobody could see it. And that veil wasn't supposed to be there anymore. Then Shinar, S-H-I-N-A-R, means disclose. So do you know anyone that would like to have something hidden inside of them, disclosed and unveiled? Yes, they would like for their glory to come forth. But what is it covered up with? A religious curtain. A religious robe. There's, there's a veil. We always thought the veil was going to come off the Jews' eyes. The veil needs to come off of everybody's eyes. And then Hamath, H-A-M-A-T-H, is a fortress. A fortress, it means there's something enclosed again. They're, they're, they become a garden shut up, a well enclosed. People can't feed on what's inside of them, although they have food to feed. And then the islands of the sea, and those are people who are isolated, and that's a big one today. People are all out by themselves. They've got their own religions, own denominations, own Facebook groups, own seminary schools. If you're a Baptist, you can go to the Baptist seminary school. If you're Pentecostal holiness, you go to that one, and the list goes on and on and on. So people are hungry uh, for the living bread. They want the living bread. For far too long, they looked in all the wrong places, and people offered them bread, but it's not bread. You know, the other night, we were going to Anna Carl's house, and I wanted to bake some cookies. I found a, a real easy recipe. It's a box of any kind of cake you want, a half a cup of butter, and one egg. And you can make cookies right there. And I thought, well, I'm going to make some. And I'm gonna, I put some almonds in it. I put a little cocoa in it to make it look chocolate. But you know what? It just something wasn't right there. Did you end up throwing those away? No, I'm eating them. Are they delicious? Well, well, now you're destroying my story. (laughs) Well, I just thought something wasn't just right. Actually, I looked at it and hardly any of them was eaten. So that's why I thought, well, something. But sometimes people will bring food to your house or a party. You take a bite and there's just something not right. There's something missing. It may have too much flour in it. It may not have whatever it is. There's something that's not right. Well, I believe people have been feeding on food of religion for a long, long time. And they're starting to think there's just something not right. Donna and I did that at our church that I grew up in for 38 years. And we love those people. They, they are our family. We birthed our children there. But for many, many years, I think since we met John Corson in 1988 or 1980, whenever, we begin to think there's something not right. But because we loved it so much, we stayed there year after year 
after a year knowing there's something not right. Well, once you taste of something and there's something not right in it, why would you get another one and another one and another one and another one? It's because it's familiar. Yes. Right? It's familiar and it's something that you're used to. People want living bread. They want water, the water of the word. They want the wine. In the book of Revelation, it talks about people who aren't awakened yet, people who won't come yet. It says to travail them in birth with a wine of the love of God, the joy of the love of God without your mixture with fire and brimstone, which means the word of God. And that's what we're supposed to be giving people. So within us is life-giving water and bread for those who hunger and thirst. We are the bread to the world today. We are the water. Jesus said, and I love this, whosoever drinks of the water that I minister to him shall never thirst. But the water that I minister becomes in him, in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So literally, when we drink of what Jesus revealed to us, that becomes a well in us. And we don't have to keep going to Jesus asking for the water. It becomes a well. It, be, it continues to flow and flow. And it's a well that springs up everlasting life. And what does it do? It flows from you to them. The water Jesus ministered was a living word of truth. It was the eternal word. Therefore, I don't have to keep going to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you do this? Jesus, would you do that? And many people, the majority of their prayers are asking Jesus to do something. And you know why? It's because they're not drinking of that living water. They're not drinking on the pure, unadulterated, without unadulterated, without mixture water. They're not feeding on the bread of life. They're feeding on it with mixture. But this, when it says in him, it repletes in you. You know what replete means? It reproduces. It, it's, it's constant and it's flowing. And so Jesus said, if you'll drink of it inside of you, there will be a well. And it will never run out. And you won't have to be saying, spring up, oh, well, within my soul. It just flows and flows and flows. So for most people, <clears throat> we haven't been here for two weeks, so would you give me a little extra time? A little bit. Most people, when they first became part of a religious establishment, they were taught they had many needs. <clears throat> most people went to church because of a need. Am I right? Uh -huh. Because of a need. And so when they got there, the church system gave you all kinds of list of needs that you had, and they were going to help you with them. And the number one was you needed to get saved. What we should have been taught is we are meat to the eater. We are the water to the eater. I would just say Norma came and said she was depressed and she was struggling with this or that. And the proper counsel would be, Norma, the reason you are is because you're not, you're not being who you are. You're not being the meat to the eater. You're not been water to those who thirst because the key to get out of every situation that you're in is to let it flow. I've always said this many times. If you're depressed, go do something for somebody. Bless somebody. If you feel like you have a need, then you take what you have, part of that, and you go bless somebody. Not to get it to happen, to get it to flow. Because get your mind off yourself. You know, and, and that is such a true thing because... If, if I'm not blessing people, then what am I doing? I'm me, myself, and I. It's all about me. It's not Holy Spirit. And so what we should have been taught is that I am meat to the eater. I know that when I go out, I'm bread to the hungry. 
We, we are life-giving spirits who will bring people out of their false dead estate mindset. And that's something, guys, we need to be doing every second of our life is realizing that everywhere I go, I'm the meat that person needs. I'm the bread that person needs. So that means be willing not to be about just you. Amen. Now, I've said this many years ago, and you know it's hard for people to practice it, but if I think I'm going to go to Walmart to get something for Donna, I need to go to Walmart, but I need to be aware of all the people around me and be sensitive to their spirit, be connected to their spirit to the point that I can be led right to them. Say, hi, how are you doing today? Or I like your, your uh, blouse. It's very pretty. How are you doing today? And they will say, well, I'm having a hard time. Or something will come up that will open the door for you to minister to them. Very seldom, and I'm not bragging on myself, but I just, I'm living this way the best I can. Very seldom does Don and I go somewhere that I don't have the opportunity to minister to somebody a truth. And I tell you, there's no time that you can't do that either. And I'm telling you, that's where fullness of joy is. That's where release of all your despair is and all your confusion. It's just to let it flow and let it flow and let it flow. So only those who will hear with spirit ears, only those who will hear, uh, see with spirit eyes, where will really come and listen to this. If you're truly living out of who you are, you'll be touched by the feelings of people. You will be touched by their infirmities. You will literally be in tune with the very heartbeat of that person. Jesus was fully in tune with that. Did you know everywhere that he ministered to people, it said, and he had compassion? And he had compassion? The New Testament word compassion is used 29 times in the New Testament. And the majority of those places is where Jesus approached people whom he was able to minister to with the water of life. And he was always moved with compassion and he had great compassion. I say this, if you cannot meet people with compassion, you cannot release water. If you can't meet them with compassion, you cannot give them bread to those who are hungry. It won't sustain them. Because what you'll do is you'll say, well, it's your fault. You know, I told you not to go out and drink alcohol. <laughs> I told you not to be speeding. You know, I told, you know, that doesn't help them at all. We just go to them with compassion and minister to where they're at. So what we need to do then, we need to quit asking Jesus to do something for others. We are to strengthen one another with a living bread and, and water. And I'm saying, I'm not saying that we don't learn from Jesus. I'm not saying that Jesus was not the Messiah. I'm not saying that Jesus was God anointed. What I'm saying is we need to learn of Jesus. And then we need to be instructed of our spirit. And then we go forth and be the bread and life to other people. We become a gateway to life. A gateway to life. Now, can somebody be off all by theirself and alone and experience God? Sure. God ministers to people where they're at. But it's not God's purpose for us always to be seeking God for answers and help. We need one another for that. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to take dominion over it. Not, not take dominion. I, I, I know this is not proper English, but God wants us to, to dominion the earth. God wants us to rule and reign over our earth so we can bless other people. I have dominion over this house. You do not. I have dominion on this land that my house is around. I can do anything I want to here because God is, it's mine. God's given it to me. But guess what? God has given us this whole planet. Amen. 
And if we love, then we dominion it with love. We don't say, oh, well, I'm going to get all this land and I want the land that touches it too. It's not about me getting better this or it's about me blessing the earth. So I'm not going to, I'm going to finish here by just reading some verses and then I'll quit. Make sure I haven't missed anything. <clears throat> you know how Paul says that we're strangers in this land? He's not saying that we're strangers to this planet. <clears throat> He's saying we're strangers to the way it's run. We're strangers to the system. Does that make sense? We used to think we were strangers here and we're going to go to heaven someday and planet heaven's our home. That's not what Paul was talking about. He was talking about being a stranger to this system. This is not the system I live out of. So without knowing we have Father's Holy Spirit and our, our, our true mind, then we do not live out of our true leadership. And so what we're done, what happens is men are being, leaded, have been led, excuse me, by a carnal mindset. They're being led by false belief systems. Just like when you looked at that picture and it said there, all these plates are upside down. You believed what I said and so you saw it. So again, that proves that believing is seeing, not seeing is believing. If you believe something, you see what you believe. Correct? And so a body without leadership or a headship lacks direction and purpose. And so our Holy Spirit is our headship. Our Holy Spirit is our headship of our glorious body. And if we allow Father, God, our Holy Spirit, its place in us, then we will partake of one another. We will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And that doesn't mean come to church together. We assemble ourselves together. When we meet with a group of people that we fellowship on Friday nights, I really enjoy when we stand in a circle and we hold hands. We hold hands. And the church has done that for years, and I think there's a powerful truth there. It's a picture of our oneness, and we hold hands with one another. Uh, many times in the church I grew up in, somebody would be sick, and they would, they would sit in a chair, and we'd all go stand around them and hold hands and speak life to them and speak healing to them. So the word discern, again, is dissect, and we need to know this. So I'm going to close with these verses. <clears throat> you can jot them down if you want to. But this is who we are and what we do. <clears throat> Out of Zion, and Zion is the, the heights of the church, if you would, or the people knowing who they are. Out of Zion shall go forth the decision, the decree, and declaration of God, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah 2, 3. And I'm paraphrasing most of this. We are the plumb line to the awareness of man. For when the decision, decree, and declaration of God from the beginning is known to man, the inhabitants shall know of their eternal righteousness. Their eternal righteousness. Isaiah 26, 9. <clears throat> Excuse me. His people are as leaven in the earth. They are the scales of justice based on the decision, decree, and declaration of God that all people are his image and glory. Countries will not lift up sword against countries, neither shall they learn war anymore. Matthew 4 3. 1 John 4 13. Hereby know that we we that we hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And literally that's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us. And we have seen and do testify that Father sent the Son to be the Savior or the rescuer of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. That doesn't say God's not in them, right? It says God dwelleth in them. 
I can own this house and it be mine, but if I don't live here, I don't dwell in here. All right? So the Holy Spirit dwells in us when we allow the Holy Spirit to dwell, but nevertheless, we are Holy Spirit. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. The key word there again is dwell. Herein is our love made perfect that we may be may have boldness in the day of judgment. And what's the day of judgment? When people understand God's decision, decree, and declaration from the foundation of the world that we are righteous and we are holy and we are his image. So when is that day? It's when you understand it. That day is when you receive it. <clears throat> because as he is, so are we in this world. As God is, so are we. So there's no fear in love. But perfect love cast out fear, because fear hath torment. So we sit in churches, religions, and we heard fear over and over and over, and it tormented us. Did it not? I mean, I was in church all my life. I was born in church. And I'm telling you, much of my life, I lived in torment of just not knowing for sure if I was right with God. And I think... I think I never feared dying and being with God, but I, but I feared being right. I, I felt I was I, I was I, I agreed with them when they said we're dirty, rotten sinners, we're sinners saved by grace, because there was just always something that it didn't line up with what the law said, because you can't do it. There's another law and another law. I never prayed right. I never gave enough. I never served enough. Whatever it is, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So if you fear God, you don't understand the love of God. That's all it is. If you, if you have any fear whatsoever, you, you have not really been, been uh, trying to think of a word, grounded in the love of God. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen with the natural eyes? And this commandment have we from him, that he, he who loveth God loveth his brother also. And I really, I've always liked that because I've heard people tell me how much they love God, but they don't love me. I know a lot of ministry out there, again, because of what I teach, they don't love me. They say they love me, but when they speak ill of me, right? Or when they stay away from me or they don't include me. Now, I'm not asking for, I'm just making an example here. That's not love. And so they don't know God. They're the, they, they love God, phileo love God, you know, but they don't really know God. Their love has not been perfect because they, they haven't come into union with the love of God. I want to love people the way God loves people. That's what I seek after. And I can tell you for the last three or four years, since we've been teaching a lot of what we're teaching, the Lord has really helped me that no matter who I see, what they're doing and what they're not doing, I love them. I don't love what they're doing, but I love them. I went to Mercy Hospital the other day, or one of the clinics, to see a rheumatologist. And uh, he asked me if he could do another blood test. And I'm telling you, I gave gallons of blood down at Mayo Clinic. I wasn't interested in giving any more blood. And uh, I didn't know this blood test was going to be 15 vials of blood that they took out of me. But I went downstairs to the lab to take the blood test, and I walked up, 
And I saw a man and I thought, he looks familiar. That looks like a certain person. And I looked at his name tag and lo and behold it was. And it was a manager that when I was a, a director of seminar process and I traveled, he was a manager over the team that I had worked with. And I was officing right across the street from him. And so there was this big conflict all the time. He didn't like me. He didn't, didn't, he didn't want my influence. He didn't want the people to do what I told him to do with the, the seminars. Well, to tell you the truth, I didn't like him either because it was just really tough. And we just, we were like opposites. And so we had a really tough time. And boy, one time he was just really giving me hell. And next thing they know, the market director found out about it and they fired him. They let him go because he was doing it to some of the team too. Well, there he sat. And I sat down in front of him and he said, what is your name, please? And he knew it. I said, you don't know who I am? He said, yes, I know who you are. You're Roy Richmond. You know, I could tell there was there, that's there. And the Lord said, repent to him. And I had no problem with it at all. It was the Holy Spirit. My Holy Spirit told me, I told myself to repent to him. And so I, I told him, I said, you know, I, I, I'm not making excuses, but at that time I was going through a tough time. You know, I was having a lot of those migraines and things that uh, going on in my head and but I, but I said, that's no excuse. And I want to apologize for the way I treated you. And I said, it was very disrespectful. And he shook his hand out. And he said, thank you very much. He needed that. And I needed it too. Didn't you quote something about Kate? Do you remember what, what it said? When you forgive, when you forgive something like forgiving the bad person or whatever. It sets you free. Huh? It sets you it free because you're with the bad person. <laughs> I was the one that was bound up. I wasn't able to see beyond what he was doing and realize there was a reason he was doing that. He could have been insecure. Most of the time it's because somebody's insecure. And I, I, if I was who I was today in my understanding, that would have never happened because I could see through that and not give that a power. And Kay said that when you forgive somebody, I wish I, you could remember the word. Are you on your Facebook page? Because you quoted it on. It's on. You got so much. You're a Facebook queen. <laughs> but it was good. It, okay, it, it, okay, here. Forgiveness is to set the prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was me. Yeah, forgiveness is to set the prisoner free and to discover that the prisoner was me. Because when we don't forgive people, we become a prisoner. Mm-hmm. When we don't love people, we become a prisoner. Because if I don't love you, it condemns me. It condemns me. So I hope you got something out of today. And uh, again, all of you on Facebook, appreciate you being here and just want you to know how much we love you. And we thank you for your prayers. While Donna and I was down at uh, Mayo Clinic, I felt it. I felt the connection there. And we need one another. So we bless you very much. And we will see you next Sunday. God bless you.